Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. It's Michael Tulip Day on the Alana Enquirer podcast. Welcome in. I'm Jeremy Warner, Alana Enquirer publisher. And today, Michael Tulip, former Illini, joins us to give his thoughts on Illinois' draw in the NCAA tournament as a number four seed, and they play number 13 seed Chattanooga, the Mox, on Friday at 5.50 Central Time in Pittsburgh. Of course, Illinois, a number four seed in the South region. If they win that, they'll play the winner of number five seed Houston and number 12 seed UAB. So talk to Michael Tube about his thoughts. He's looked at Chattanooga. We'll have a film room breakdown later in the week, kind of scouting the mocks and what he thinks of them. We also look back at the Indiana loss in the Big Ten tournament quarterfinals. What went wrong there? How much of are there any lingering concerns from that? And then we talk about the most polarizing player on the Illini, and we get into a conversation about that. Mike and I are both fans of this guy. Other people are not. And then we look forward to what Mike's confidence level is in this team. So we'll get to all of that with your favorite, my favorite to talk to each week, Michael Tulip, Illini Enquirer basketball analyst. He's coming up next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law it's NCAA Tournament Week, and it is time to catch up with our guy, Michael Tulip, who had a really nice selection Sunday, doubly nice, as both his Illini and Wright State Raiders make the field. Mike, how you feel? You got two teams representing here. Yeah, and then, too, you know, John Gross, my my college coach as well, is is dancing, and that's that's the beauty of, you know, you, you, you have all these relationships, you develop all these relationships over the years, and to see some of those guys dance and there's, you know, even just beyond that, just the people that I've gotten close to Brian Cooley was one of my assistant coaches at Wright state. He's the assistant at Colorado state now gets a six seed, you know, I mean, across the board, it's really nice to see those guys dance, you know, Scott Nagy getting another shot as well. And he does a heck of a job. And then obviously Illinois, you know, it's, it's, it's great to see them dance. We talked about before where, you know, these, (laughs) Now it's, oh, four seed, five seed, what's it going to be? And I, 2012 to 2016, we were talking bubble most of the time. So it's, it's amazing how the narrative shifts. And 
it's going to be fun. I, I don't know what it is about this year. I think there's already been some some carnage uh, throughout mm-hmm. the the season, and I, I think you're going to see a little bit of the same in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. You just got to hope it's not your team, you know? That's right. Well, we all know it was last year, and that's why we'll address the anxiety around this program, especially the fan base. But I, I want to get into a little bit of the team of the Indiana loss in the Big Ten tournament. But just, Mike, right away, your thoughts on the draw. Get 13 seed Chattanooga. I know you know Malachi Smith pretty well. From you know He transferred from Wright State, which you know really well. Uh, and Sylvia DeSouza is there. Uh, Baptiste hits some threes. Uh, so what do you think about the first round draw and potentially beyond that? I think the psychology is always interesting for the three through seven seeds. You know, every three through seven seed six there with a ton of anxiety. And, and says, oh, man, well, this team – because here's the reality. Either you're likely playing a really good mid-major team or you're playing – or, you know, if you get to more of like the five, six, seven, you're playing a high-major team that's either skid late but is still capable or a high-major team like Virginia Tech that's just rolling into the tournament on this torrid stretch. It's the NCAA tournament. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Everyone's good. Everyone's good. Everybody has a right to be there. And your dreams are not bigger than other people's dreams. Everybody has dreams of cutting down the nets. And I think that's the first mistake. When you sit there thinking that, oh, we deserve to make it this far. Yes, so does the other team. They probably also think that. You know, so you have to try to take it one game at a time. Everybody wants a good draw. But like I said, I'm a firm believer that if you come into a, to a tournament and you're a team that's worried about path or draw you've already lost you've already lost because it's one game at a time and it's the opponent that's right in front of you and i'll say this too i mentioned everyone being good a lot of talk about illinois arizona in sweet 16 there's no guarantee that arizona gets past seton hall or tcu you know the crazier things have happened in this tournament no one's a shoe in and it's amazing how all that flips from round around who you think you may be matched up with in a potential elite eight, who you actually get matched up with is going to, is going to floor you. And that's what makes this tournament so amazing. Well, let's play it out, right? Illinois makes it, makes it to a sweet 16. Now they're playing Seton Hall who knocked off Arizona. That Seton Hall team's just as dangerous in my opinion. When did their back? We're a not, we're an eight seed. Let's let it fly. I mean, this is, we're already in a sweet 16. Why not? Like those doesn't matter who you're playing because the psychology of it is different for every team. And you could come into it saying, Oh, we're going to be, we're going to play spoiler here. We're playing Arizona. We're going to upset them revenge. And then what, mm-hmm. you know, then you're going to, then you got to flip it around. You have to be the team that is just, you know what? doesn't matter who we're playing. Cause if in order for us to achieve our goal, we got to play the team right in front of us. And that's Chattanooga right now. And look, this, this is a good opponent. It's a good 13 seed. Uh, you know, they're a good major team, but they're going to have their hands full with Illinois. They are. I, I like, And we can get into more of the nuts and bolts, but uh, I think this is a really, really good matchup for Illinois, as it should be as a 4-13. But we've seen some of these other 13s playing fours that I personally would not like to see. Uh, but Chattanooga, uh, not to say that Illinois is just going to roll over them, but Illinois is – is pretty good in a lot of areas uh, against this particular team. 
Yeah, so let's dive into that, Mike. Malachi Smith is a, is a Belleville kid, averaging 20 points, one of the best players in the Southern Conference, of course. Uh, you know, Sylvia D'Souza, we know that name. Orlando Antigua got Illinois involved in that recruitment. Maybe a good thing Illinois didn't win that recruitment. Um, but obviously talented is a big man, former top 40 prospect. Uh, and Baptiste has, has hit a lot of big threes, none bigger than the other day, to, to, to win the conference tournament. Um but what do you see? I know you've looked at, at them a little bit. Like, what what are the things they do well? What are the things Illinois can exploit? Look, like you mentioned, Malachi is a guy I know from from being at Wright State. I wasn't teammates with him, but I was around Dayton. I was around the program when he, when he was there. He's a really good kid. He's a really good player. Um, he's had a tremendous year, SoCon Player of the Year, obviously. And that tandem of him and Baptiste, they are fantastic in that league. And – you know, D'Souza has been a really solid addition to, to what they wanted to kind of build, what Lamont Ferris wanted to, to build there. Um, but here's the reality. They are very thin at a lot of different positions. And when I say thin, I'm not, I'm not talking physically. I'm saying depth-wise. Outside of Baptiste and Smith, they really don't have another guard that can go. Um, you know, outside of D'Souza, who only plays 19, 20 minutes a game, they are really thin at that, at that big man spot. So, you know, you're going to have to probably play D'Souza 30 minutes in this game. And, and I think the more you play D'Souza, the better it is for Illinois offensively because he he, he has a tough time moving his feet. Uh, I think you can put him in a lot of ball screen scenarios. You're obviously going to post Kofi a ton. Um, they guard the three well, you know, by the numbers. And a lot of people can fall in love with analytics. And, you know, they're first in their conference and, and guarding the three at 30%. But part of it's because the threes that they are giving up are pretty well contested. And all the rest of the baskets, people are scoring in the paint. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they don't do a good job of keeping the ball in front. You know, Smith and Baptiste are, are, are pretty handsy defenders. Uh, so you got to take care of the ball. But once you get past that, that first line of defense, there's not much there. So I, I think you just got to take care of it. You, you, shot selection has got to be at an all-time high because you can get really good shots. And, and just like any other team in the tournament, any other game in the tournament, you talk about Drexel last year, you know, any of these teams where you are favored, it comes down to shot quality on both sides. And that's it. I'm taking care of the ball. You can force tough shots defensively and, and manufacture good shots offensively. The scoreboard kind of takes care of itself. Yeah. Mike, there, there's given the anxiety around the fan base, the players, when they heard their name announced, were just kind of like, you know, Brad Underwood's the only one standing up. It was kind of business like. Um, but I also asked Brad Underwood about, you know, the pressure that this team probably unduly like has to have because of two years ago they didn't get to play in the tournament. Last year, you know, they they lose in the second round with this big upset. Um, so the fan base feels that anxiety of, hey, this, this year we got to do it. Otherwise, we might not be able to have a chance without Kofi and and Iowa Jasumu here. How how do you how does a player handle the pressure of the NCAA tournament and balance that with just the thrill of playing in this, right? So I, I think the anxiety might be even more for fans than the players because the players have been dreaming about this their entire lives and they get another chance at this. And Illinois has been chomping at the bit for this all year. It's real. I, I, the anxiety is real. And I think that goes for really any team in the NCAA tournament. Sands, you know, some of the, you know, some of the lower seeds, they can ch- kind of just come in guns a blazing yeah. and see what happens, see if you can keep it close, see if you can knock off a, a higher seed, uh, but no matter how you slice it, there's, of course, there's anxiety with this one and done. Not only is it one and done, but your season's over. And there's 67 teams that are going to experience that. 
And how you experience that and the way in which you experience that tends to sit with you for a whole offseason. And we and we we went through that last year with Loyola. Uh, Loyola's a really good team. I I, I think Loyola's going to beat Ohio State. Um, you know, I don't think that's a good matchup for the Buckeyes. And and you know, as a as a player and as a, I think as a coach too, what you what you tend to rely on is, hey, well, how are my guys in the locker room? I mean, I heard Chris Beard at a press conference the other day saying like, my guys don't know how to win. You know, my guys this, they got all the amp. they think they have it all figured out. I don't think that's this Illinois locker room. I, I think with Trent Frazier, I think with these guys that they have a good head on their shoulders. And I think that Loyola loss last year is going to pay dividends because I, I think you just kind of take the moment for what it is. There maybe was a little more anxiety last year because you're a one seed and there's so much expected. It's amazing how we shift the expectations. It's like when you're the one seed, it's like everybody's thinking about, well, who do we play in the Elite Eight? and Who do we play in the Sweet 16? And then when you're like a four or five seed, it's like, God, a second round matchup in the Sweet 16. It, like you keep moving the goalposts and, and all of that is just BS because you have to take care of who's in front of you and you can get the rug pulled out from under you in any round. doesn't matter. You know, I, I, I think about the Gonzaga team that, that we played my freshman year. We won at Gonzaga. We beat them at Gonzaga. They were one seed. You know, they, they beat Southern by, I think five in the first round yeah. as a one. And then they lost the second round to Wichita state. We ended up going all the way to the final four. So you never know what can happen. And just because, you know, I think we put a lot into it because of whatever numbers slapped next to the team's name. All of a sudden, that makes you think of a team a certain way or they're, oh, this team's underrated because they have a 12 next to their name or they're overrated because they have a three next to their name. And it really doesn't matter. I think that just like the, the Iowa game, I think the more you can balance out, like I said, knowing what the moment is, okay, it's the NCAA tournament, we got the season on the line, that should motivate you in certain ways. But you say, hey, it's another game. This is just another game. You know, we, we can't cripple ourselves with the anxiety of, oh, man, are we going to – ah, we need to deliver because of what happened last year. Screw last year. Yeah, like last year isn't going to help you other than, other than knowing what this moment is and how quickly it can go by. So, you know, of course, a lot of anxiety for coaches, for players, for fans. But, Jeremy, that's kind of what makes this tournament pretty damn good, isn't it? They right, they right. It's uh, it's what makes it flawed, but why we love it so much. Like it doesn't always do the best job of crowning the best team. Illinois was one of the five best teams in the country last year, right? Even the the loss doesn't take that away. But um, what is remembered is they lost that, and that's that's the downside of the tournament. Mike, I want to ask you about another tournament. Illinois loses first game quarterfinal against Indiana. I I didn't have like a huge take after that one because. You said shot quality before. I thought the shot quality was really good. I thought the defense was really good when the shots weren't going in. You just missed free throws. You missed layups. Um, do you have a – what's kind of your lingering feeling after uh, a disappointing loss to, to Indiana that obviously uh, gave them a chance to get into the field here? Yeah, look, I, I don't want to poo-poo the Big Ten tournament because you won it last year. It's, it's hard to sit here and be like – it doesn't mean much and then you win it last year and it's like this is amazing it's amazing thing for, you know it's just so you can't really play that game I think you can kind of take it for what it's worth and, and understand that as much as you want to win the Big Ten tournament it really rarely has any bearing on on what you do in the NCAA tournament we, we've seen that in the past I mean go back to last year's final four I know that's the goal for Illinois uh, Baylor right they win the national championship they got bounced in their second game against Oklahoma State you know, UCLA loses in their first Pac-12 tournament game to Oregon State. Goes all the way to the Final Four. Go back, you know, you know, no tournament in 2020, but 2019, 
Texas Tech lost their you know Final Four team, went to the national championship, runner up, lost their first Big Twelve tournament game to to West Virginia, got bounced. Um, Auburn ran the table, Michigan State ran the table, um, and Virginia. Virginia was a national champion and lost to Florida State in the second round or in their second game of the ACC tournament. So. You know, it's all over the place. It's hard to really draw one conclusion and say it doesn't matter. It's hard to say that it it is absolutely what matters because you've seen teams do both. I think it's just, hey, are you playing good basketball Mm -hmm. heading into it? I think that's really the biggest question. And and right now, you lose to Indiana off some missed free throws. You lose to Indiana off some missed layups. And if that's your thing going into the tournament, you're in a pretty good spot. If you looked and said, hey – they're really struggling guarding ball screens. They're really struggling defending the three. Oh, man, they get, they're getting whipped on the glass. That is, Those are three things that you do not want to be struggling with when you go in the NCAA tournament. And that's not what Illinois is struggling with. I, I really don't think Illinois is struggling right now at all. I think part of it is, you know, can you get these pieces to mesh in time? And I think we're seeing a little bit of that. I think – We'll probably get into Andre Corbello, I'm assuming. And it is it is a topic that I'm pretty passionate about. But can you make it all work? You know, and are you worried about all of that? Like, I think all of this is going to come down like it does. Kofi's a big part of this. And I think Kofi, like you mentioned, you know, comes in as somewhat of a guardrail, right, for the rest of these games like, you, like we had talked about before. It's guard play, man. Yep. It's guard play in this tournament. It always is. Uh, and can you get a, a clicking Trent Frazier offensively? We know what he brings defensively. And I'll mention, too, like a lot of what he brings defensively can impact that end, the offensive end. I mean, he's, he expends a lot of energy on, on that end. And, and Plummer, like can you, can you catch him during a, a, you know, a six-game stretch on, on a heater? And, and all of that is going to be the question. Uh, but I will say for this team right now, the, the encouragement that I've gotten, specifically with Andre Corbello, and I know we'll, we'll peel the – onion back a little bit more but with him I think what he brings to your team is that and you'll see it we'll do the film review and I'll show you the difference when he was out and I'll get into all that later that this team was at a torrid stretch shooting from three mm-hmm. you know over 50% over a, a certain amount of games and that's what that team was in that moment it was a live and die by the three type of team and it was live and die by the three and Kofi and now I think what you're seeing with Andre and, and his kind of, you know, kind of being able to come out these last couple games, you know, Michigan was great against Iowa. I thought he was, I thought he was great against Indiana. I know he just missed some layups. It gives you a couple different looks to where you can score offensively in different ways. I, I just don't think you want to be the team going into the tournament. It's like, hope we make threes yep. and that's it. So it, it's a different element. It's a different dynamic. And Coleman Hawkins adds that too. Um, but I think there's a lot to be, you know, to be hopeful about yeah. going into going into Friday. Trent Frazier's had an amazing year. Alfonso Plummer has given this team so much. The one thing I didn't like from the Indiana game, more than anything, more than missed shots uh, for Curbelo, um, was Trent, you know, late in the game not executing, or Alfonso Plummer passing up shots. Uh, that's I don't like that stuff. I'd rather a guy make a mistake out of aggression like Curbelo than a guy kind of passing up shots. And we've seen Demonte Williams do that at, at times recently. Is there any concern about that kind of passiveness? I mean, it's not usually a thing with Alfonso Plummer. He did take 12 shots before he started passing up shots. Um, but but Trent, I, I think we've seen that. It's like, hey, you're the man at times. Like You can be aggressive and, and hunt your shots. 
the plumber stuff was concerning uh, against Indiana. But I'll say this too: it's I'm glad it happened against Indiana because I think you're going to have coaches and teammates in his ear all you know all week, show them on film, passing it up with one second left in the shot clock. Hey man, you can't do it. I don't care if you miss. It, by the way, I think I said J.R. Smith on a podcast preview. It was Dion Waiters. So <laughs> same thing. Uh, you know, I'd rather go 0 for 19 than go 0 for six because that means I stopped shooting. And that's the thing with Alfonso Plummer right now. You know, uh, time and situation maybe comes into comes into play, but for the most part, man, be be thankful that you have as green a light as you do, and that you know the shots that you take aren't typically bad shots because we've seen you hit them. And yeah, that that's a concern. And I think with Trent, we've seen over the years, this Illinois team's had a lot of success. You know, with with him as as an off guard as well. So I I, I don't really buy into the nature that's like oh my god we're a worse team when Trent doesn't have the ball in his hands and isn't like making things happen offensively that's a lot to put on a guy that is doing a lot defensively as well and, and I think that's that's the beauty of him and Andre is they're both very very good defensively and they're both good with the ball in their hands so I think you can take a little bit of a load off each other and I think that's kind of the that's kind of the game that you can play now the real question is how can you mix and match these lineups to where you got Trent you got Andre and you got Alfonso Plummer all on the floor at the same time. We've seen it happen. We've seen it work. Um, but can you get creative with that to where you're not playing a team that's, you know, a Houston that's top five in the country on, on the offensive glass and you're getting whipped there. So, you know, I, that's, that's why I love watching this game. That's why I love watching to see like what adjustments coaches make because each, each team presents a different type of challenge. So with those two, with, with, I think if you get a good, you get a good plumber and Frazier, offensively and and a, a focused plumber defensively you can do something i mean you can really you can make a run at this thing um you can absolutely make a run at this thing what is the importance of jacob grandison i thought they missed him the other day just to have a guy willing to take a shot longer guy gets a shot off easily um what, what would be the importance of getting him back even if it's 85 percent of jacob grandison stability I think stability is the, the first word that comes to mind with him. I think he, he he's very assignment sound defensively. He's not Tony Allen by any means, but but you'd be surprised what being in the right spot can do for your defense. So he has that. He brings that defensively. He, he flies around. He tips balls around. He can grab defensive rebounds, offensive rebounds. But he's a 41% three-point shooter. You know, adding that to your team and adding what he can do. And then the other thing I'll say, too, is he's their best post-entry passer. Right, we saw Coleman once again stare down Kofi with, you know, two and a half minutes left in that game against Indiana and get the ball tipped. Jake's really good at that. That's what Jake's excelled at all year. So you add that back to this team, and you just add another guy with experience that was on that court against Loyola uh, that understands how quickly this thing can go and, and sense of urgency. You know, falling falling down nine in the first five minutes, it's not great. You know, you don't always have a bunch of time to come back and get it back and get the next game to get back on track. It's this game and it's this game now. And I think Jake Grandison's another guy that understands that. So having him out there, but, but even though I, I just see him on the bench and uh, I think you can tell the difference sometimes with some guys and it's sometimes it's reading a little bit further into it. But when guys are out and they're a little bit closer to the front of the bench, you know, with the coaches, you know, with the guys that are in the game, there, engaged, talking. I mean, I, I think you saw that from him on the sideline and, that's a that's a great teammate and that's that's somebody that I think those guys are going to want on the floor here. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mike, I don't know if there's ever been a more polarizing Illinois player than Andre Curbelo. I know the internet is not the place to have nuanced conversation, but it's really hard to have a nuanced conversation about Andre Curbelo right now. While other players can make mistakes, Illinois fans kind of give them the, the benefit of the doubt. Like Coleman Hawkins makes mistakes, right? Um, but like fans love him, and I, I think they should. He's been so exciting to watch. But I think Andre Curbelo has, is playing some of his best ball of the season. No, it's not perfect. Yes, it's a roller coaster ride. But he had missed shots against Indiana, and they were really critical to Illinois losing that game, especially the front ends of those one on ones. Like he, an 80% free throw shooter needs to make those. But he was able to get to the rim, create for his teammates. Defensive rebounding is so necessary. Like Kofi needs help, and Coleman and Curbelo give that to him. And then defensively, I just think Curbelo's played as well as anybody the last couple weeks defending. And that includes Trent Frazier. Um, so I am like, I've become an apologist for Andre Curbelo. I guess some people would call me that. But I just see so much value in what he's bringing, especially what we're talking about with Trent Frazier and Alfonso Plummer going through struggles, if those guys don't shoot well, you have Andre Curbelo who can be another way to get offense. And if you have Hawkins making shots and Grandison making shots and Kofi doing his normal thing, you can survive a bad night without Plummer or, or Frazier hitting shots. So I just want to get your opinion uh, on the polarizing Andre Curbelo because uh, I know most people rooting for him, supporting him. There, there's a lot of people that just don't like watching him for whatever reason, even though Brad Underwood played him 27 minutes the other night for a reason. The Curbelo stuff has become so convoluted to the point where I'm not even sure at times what people are arguing or what their stance is. And I know you can pick you, – you can just – kick off little things to, to, to fit your narrative. If your argument is, hey, he's out of control sometimes. Okay. You know, if your argument is, hey, I wish he'd be a little bit more of a perimeter threat, you know, shooting the ball behind the arc. All right. I'll give you that. But if you're in the camp of this team has a higher ceiling and they are just better with him out of uniform and off the court, I don't know what to tell you because it's just not true. It's not true. And if the one thing that you go to point to is, Mike, but they were 13-1 and when he didn't play. Well, let's break that down. Eight of those teams aren't even going to the tournament of those 13 wins. And and the other teams that that they beat without Curbelo, Iowa beat him with Curbelo, Michigan beat him with Curbelo, Michigan State beat him with Curbelo, Northwestern beat him with Curbelo. So, I, I mean, 
it's okay to just say that, you know, hey, I just, I don't know, I, I, there's something about it, I just don't like it. But to, to say that you have an argument that's rooted in, uh, you know, because everybody falls in love with the analytics, right? Well, look at on the court versus off the court. Look at, you know, and when you compare him to his teammates, that's just, that's just not fair. One, because I'm sure, Corbello, you throw a St. Francis game in there, you know, you throw, you throw a UT River Grand Valley or, or any of these other games in there, then it's going to look a little bit closer. Uh, you know, he came in, came back from injury when this schedule really ramped up. Yeah. I mean, it was a pretty light schedule to start that Big Ten slate in, in the games that he missed. Um, but I'll say this too. You may think he's a little bit out of control, but I would implore, I would absolutely implore anyone to go back and watch that Indiana game and go back and watch that Iowa game. Watch this guy defensively. And you touched on it. If it weren't for Trent Frazier, and I say that lightly because Andre's been pretty damn good the last few weeks here defensively. If it weren't for Trent Frazier, he would be – Andre's the best defender on this team, and I'm not sure it's close. And the value that you can put into that, especially you mentioned the defensive rebounding. Mm-hmm. You win this Chattanooga game, you got Houston. You're going to need some help. And to have a guard like that who can – like Andre Felice was – you know, rebounding, talk about, you know, range rebounding, getting rebounds that are out of your range because of your size, because of your height. Having range rebounders is, is huge. Having guys that can rebound out of position is, is absolutely huge. And, and I'll say this too, break down the Indiana game. Corbello checks in, 17-8 run. And that's including Omar Payne missing a wide-open alley-oop dunk. Okay, so, so let's call it a 19-8 run. Just like that. 13-9, to 26-21. You know, just like that. And he came in. He changed the tempo. He changed the pace. And we'll show it in the film breakdown. Making simple plays. Like, he made a lot of really, really simple plays. Iowa. Let's go back to Iowa. From the 11-minute mark, when Andre Corbello was in the game, to 219 when he fouled out, the, a top-five offense in the country scored six points. And, and I'm not saying that it was solely Andre Corbello. There were, plenty, there were four other guys in the court. But if he is this we are much better without him type of guy, then those things wouldn't happen. I was on Twitter the other day and, you know, when you throw something out there and then all of a sudden there's these sub arguments going on in (laughs) your mentions and you see all of them, you know, they're still tagged in all of them. And one guy said, Hey, you know, I go back and watch what he did defensively against Iowa. And another guy chimed in and said, Hey, that's one game. Yeah. Well that one game, one year regular season title. Mm -hmm. And, And the way that he plays he is the type of guy. And if your argument is, well, he could, he, at the point guard position, he could lose us a game in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, welcome to every other team in the NCAA tournament. Every point guard. Literally every point guard in the NCAA tournament. If they have a bad game, their team is likely going home. So that's what I think isn't fair about Andre Crubello. And, and I get it. Preseason expectations, I'm sure that that plays a, you know, that plays a part, no doubt. But to sit here and say that this team would somehow reach a final four or, or achieve the, the things that they want to achieve without Andre Curbelo, it, it's just, it's, it's asinine is what it is. Yeah. It's really weird for me that like the reaction is still like it's the Marquette game happened last week. I, I, I feel like some people can't get that Marquette game out of their head. I think it scarred a lot of people. I think, I think yeah. it did. I think it scarred a lot of people. And it's, we got to remember he was probably concussed during that game uh, and he had the weight of the world on his shoulders he's a sophomore trying to carry a team without Kofi Coburn and he had a terrible game 
an absolutely terrible game. And I know he's he's had weird moments along this way, but he just doesn't get the benefit of the doubt with a lot of people, even though I think you know, the Penn State game, he wasn't great, Mike, but he was great against Michigan. I know there's turnovers there, but he's going to have turnovers. Like, he's going to make some mistakes. He's a point guard. Iowa, fantastic. Uh, scored or assisted on 15 of the last 20 points, as you said. Illinois held Iowa to six points over the last couple minutes. And, and Indiana, I, I thought he was as good of a floor game as we've seen this year, and I thought he was the best defensive player on the court, and Brad Underwood said he did. He graded out as yeah. as well as anybody. He just missed shots, and, and that's that's the stuff I'm not as worried about. So if you want to go into the metrics, yeah, like he's had a bad, efficient year offensively, but I think that kind of ignores the progress he's making and the impact he's made winning those last three regular season games uh, and then having a chance to win against Indiana. Like that to me is encouraging just as Coleman Hawkins, everybody's aboard the Coleman Hawkins train, even though he still makes some mistakes, but both those players are flashy. They're sophomores, so they make mistakes, but they definitely elevate this team heading into the tournament because they're a big reason this team was able to win a regular season championship at the end of the year. You talked about the, the missed layups and the missed free throws. He's got to make those. Yeah. And it's not going to happen every game. So I'm not going to sit here and say like, hey, you know, missed a couple of layups and free throws. In, in, one, in one game, you know, that, that's not a reason to say that a guy had a bad game or he was bad today because he wasn't. And I think you'll see anyone that sticks around for the film session, uh, the layup that he had at the end that he missed, they don't even get the chance to do that without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't. You know, he, he takes a charge on a four-on-one uh, break, plays, plays the cat and mouse game, Makes, makes Race Thompson think that he can throw the lob to Trace Jackson Davis, pulls it back the last second and is indecisive, and that's what leads to the charge. That's what you're taught in three-on-two, two-on-one. And, you know, and then he makes a lot of really good feeds to Kofi. You know, he, he throws the ball into him. He, he fakes the ball or fakes a pass. Race Thompson jumps to one side. Then it leaves Kofi one-on-one with Trace Jackson Davis, throws over the top, foul. Kofi makes two free throws. You're up 63-62 with 33 seconds left and Kofi tries to go for a steal and fouls Trace Jackson Davis. I, you know, that doesn't happen. We get out of this game and it's amazing. You lose the game 65, 63. And I did post game radio and three points. You win that game 66, 65. It's amazing how much, how much different the narrative is. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Corbello makes that layup. Uh, he was fantastic. Today. One of the stars of the game. Stars of the game. Yeah. And and now it's, I think, the Marquette game. And he had one Marquette moment in that game. And I think for, for some reason, it's it's what scares people because that game was bad. Like, that Marquette game was bad, and Andre would be the first one to tell you. It was bad. You know, he didn't involve his teammates. Uh, he didn't trust his teammates. But I think it's – you haven't seen a ton of that since he's been back. And now he had that ago. one shot – yeah, that one shot on the, you know, on the baseline yeah. that reminded me a lot of Marquette. And that was it. You know, it's some things, too, as a coach, like, you know, you, you can see, you know, guys on the bench like, oh, my God. But some of the passes he made, the skip pass to Coleman Hawkins, the, the throw up the court to, to Coleman Hawkins is just, you know, it, it's, it's unbelievable stuff. And it's, and it's stuff that when he hits singles and then, you know, it gets you lulled to sleep with these singles and then hits you with the big play, I mean, that's – that's the type of stuff that can propel you in this tournament. And it is point guard play. Yep. And luckily, whether it's Corbella or whether it's Trent, you know, you have two guys that when they're right are pretty damn good yeah. and, and can, and can take you pretty far in this tournament. 
Yeah, and I, I want to make the point. He has flaws to his game. We know. No question. Like, there are flaws to his game, but I think he's starting to minimize those, play as, within the team. Um, but I just think the positives he brings, some people, not all fans, but some people just choose to ignore or, or not see for whatever reason it is. And, and I don't understand it because there are other players that have bad games here too. Like, Kofi had a bad game against Ohio State. Right, like it happens. Plumber. They're they're gonna have him, but to have a guy like Curbelo, yeah, Plumbers had bad games. Trent's had bad games, but like to have a guy like Curbelo to add to the mix that's actually helping your team over the last couple of weeks, I think people just need to see it. Right, like it, it that's actually happening. He's really helping you. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say too is, I think the difference right now between an Alfonso Plumber and an Andre Curbelo. Andre Corbello could turn the ball over three times, could turn the ball over four times, and his value on the defensive end still holds a ton of weight to where you're like, we kind of have to keep him on the floor because this game's about getting stops. When Alfonso Plummer is passing up shots, his value drops immensely for this team. It does. It just does. And when you're talking about being able to compare, all right, you know, what he brings to the defensive end compared to Andre Corbello. And, and there were moments in that Indiana game where they were, you know, they were playing together and they were getting stopped. So it's it's certainly possible. But Andre has really a lot of people look at the the one for seven. They look at the free th- the misses the free on the free throw line, and he wasn't extremely efficient against Iowa either from the field. I don't know what he ended up being five for twelve, maybe yeah. it was, which isn't crazy. Watch him defensively. I, I, that's really all I have to say is watch him defensively. It's the the, the instincts the awareness uh and it's not just roaming around we played angel rodriguez when i was in when i was in college and we played at miami and angel rodriguez on the scouting report we, we called him a roamer he was a roamer he just kind of roamed around and he hurt his team because he did it because he was always looking for steals in the passing lanes and always looking that's not what andre Corbello is he's very opportunistic with when he does roam when he does leave parker stewart to go steal a, when it's not even his help to go steal a pass and trace you know two trash trace jackson davis um, opportunistic with it and very instinctual and um, always looking to box this guy out. I think that's the other thing that just as a guy who just loves watching that stuff, watch it anytime a shot goes up, his head's on a swivel, boxing guys out. He's not a ball watcher. He goes and hits like that little stuff. I'm telling you, that's what you're graded out on in practice. That's what you're graded out on in games. And hell, that's what keeps you on the floor. It's just what keeps you on the floor. Like if you're a, if you're a coach and you're sitting there like, okay, yeah, he may have two wonky turnovers in a game, but damn it, he's going to box out every time. He's going to go get the defensive rebound. You know, he's going to make the right play most times. You know, he, he's a threat. He's Guys can't keep him out of the paint. I don't know, man. It'd be kind of crazy to keep that on the bench for long extended periods of time, right? Yeah. Uh, all right, Mike, uh, before I, I let you go, um, we do have to mention the Coleman-Hawkins game. Didn't lead to a win. Four of seven from three, 18 points. I know he didn't have a bunch of boards in that game, but um, what what can a what can a game like that do for him, confidence wise, and, and do for the team to have a, a threat? Like they got to go guard him uh, on the perimeter now. Yeah, it should give him a ton of confidence. And, and look, 18, 19 points, whatever it was against Indiana. Make no mistake about it, Coleman. You are not now our second our, our second go to guy offensively is that the concern like that would be my concern i don't think yeah i don't think that's a concern i think coleman's very self-aware and understands those things you know the thing you don't want to you don't want to have happen with coleman and i'm confident that it won't happen is him losing 
losing sight of who you like who you are is still energy effort on the glass you know getting on the floor like that is still what you bring to this team 18 19 points is icing on the cake right it is and and i think he knows that and that's part of what makes a really good locker room a really good locker room is go look at like the role identification problems that wisconsin had last year and i, and I mentioned this a lot i know i talk about the 20 i, I talk about the 2020 2021 wisconsin team probably more than people want to hear but it was a perfect example of who's the guy like who you know and then one game can make you think that that is you and it can backfire on you in the next game and that's what happened it was you know micah potter went off one game now he's the guy now it backfires on dimitri trice i mean we don't have a, like if you don't have a guy everyone's the guy no one's the guy hmm. so coleman i think he's added so much value to this team and specifically in this first round game against chattanooga in moments where if Kofi gets two fouls or is out of the game, this is a Chattanooga team that you can spread out, that you can go five out, and they do not keep the ball in front. Uh, they, they really struggle, especially with their depth. You go past Smith and, and Baptiste, and they gamble sometimes. You go past that. These, these are some guys that really, really struggle to keep the ball in front. So that's, that's a Swiss Army knife. Like That's a guy you can insert into those situations. So I've really loved his, his emergence and I know I've talked about it a lot on this podcast and how much it, it, you know, how much it says about him as a person and how much it says about him as a player. And um, he seems to have a really good support system. And I think that's huge. Not only just support system with your family, but also within those locker rooms and within those locker room walls and with the coaching staff kind of believing in you and not just saying uh, he's throwing in the junkyard, you know, he's, you know, his minutes have gone down he's not producing he's really resurrected his game this year and shoot it couldn't come at a better time right that's right um so confidence level mike in, in this alumni team heading into the tournament obviously you want to get to the sweet 16 I, I feel like that that week will be so important for alumni fans to just savor their basketball program but houston is a tough team i i know they're missing a lot of guys because of injury but but they've been tough all year can, and can provide some matchup issues. But just Illinois as a team, regard, regardless of matchup, how do you feel confident level going into March? I feel good. I think, like I mentioned, there aren't any alarming issues right now heading into the tournament. Uh, you know, I know the three-point shooting is dipped, but we've seen this team capable. They could, they could hit 13 threes on Friday. Yeah, it's very possible. And then that, they, they could have shooting propel them to the next round. And, Look, they've, they've kind of rectified the rebounding a little bit. I know they took a slide a little bit, but, but I think Coleman being in there a little bit more has helped in that in that regard. And uh, the emergence, like you mentioned, of, of Curbelo and Hawkins is, is going to be huge in the way that you can deploy different lineups and give teams different looks and not just sit there and be like, hey, hope we make threes tonight. Uh, you know, I think that's a, that's a big, big deal, and that's not a luxury that most teams have in a tournament. There are a lot of teams that don't have a, a post presence like Kofi. You run into a stifling defense – you're not getting down those gaps to free open looks. Now you're relying on contested threes to win you the game. And look, that's, that's tough to do. So moving forward, look, we look at Chattanooga. I love that matchup for Illinois uh, when it comes to the 13-4 in Houston. You know, if, if you said, hey, you got Houston in the round of 32, if you asked someone six months ago, hey, you got Houston in the round of 32 without their top two scores, would you take that? You probably would. You know, you just it's it's a toughness game, and this team doesn't lack toughness. So we we've seen them in those games, and they don't they they don't wilt. And I think that's another element 
in the NCAA tournament, you know, not just being the team that's like, I hope we win by seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, because if it comes down to late game execution, and I get it, you know, Trent throws the ball out of bounds, but there are a lot of things that happen at Indiana game that should just be reminders for these guys. Oh, you know what? We're taking care of the ball better in the last four minutes of the game. Oh yeah, you know what, Plummer? I'm not passing up shots. I'm letting it fly. Mm-hmm. You know, all that stuff is is huge. Kofi should be very confident. You know, he went he went toe to toe with Trace Jackson Davis and pretty much got the better of him. I know I know Trace had a hell of a game too, but yeah, Trace had an unbelievable game and Kofi canceled him out. Right, like for that, sure. to have yeah. that luxury is is pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think that's what I look at with this team. There aren't just schematic issues, fundamental issues with getting beat on the glass and not being able to keep guys in front, not being able to be potent in ball screen defense. And I know that reared its head against Loyola last year, and they just ran the same action over and over again. Uh, But look, again, it's good that it happened because you have a whole offseason to look at it. This is how we would attack it next time. And if it happens, you're right there. So, look, I – I think this team – South region's tough, man. Yeah. That's a tough region. If you're in the Midwest, you're probably feeling a little bit better. But, yeah, anything can happen. Uh, I know everybody would love to see that Arizona rematch. Uh, a lot – you know, Arizona has some things to figure out. Because if they don't have their starting point guard, that's a big deal as they move forward in the tournament. So, I'm excited. I, I think in order to – you want to be battle-tested as you're getting through this tournament. They were battle-tested in the Big Ten. They're going to be battle-tested – if they make it to a Sweet 16 Elite Eight, it's going to be with a pretty solid slate of teams that they're playing against. So one at a time. Yep. You go one at a time and you take care of business, and New Orleans is <laughs> – hey, maybe you book your ticket to New Orleans. Dreaming. Dreaming. Why not? You can this time of year. Everybody can do it this time of year. Uh, Michael Tulip, you're the goods man. Uh, we will have some VIP film rooms this week. We're going to break down Curbelo, uh, the, the good and the bad of it, but uh, – mostly like what he's doing well here recently. And we'll also have a scout uh, on the moccasin. So if you're not on the VIP side uh, today, we are recording this on Mondays, your last day to get 50% off a VIP membership. So uh, go and do that. Cause Mike alone, these uh, film room breakdowns are worth that uh, price alone. Mike, you're the goods, man. Have a great NCAA tournament. Appreciate it, man. Great stuff as always from Michael Tulip, And I'll have one of those VIP film rooms ready for you on Andre Curbelo on Tuesday morning, and then later in the week we'll get Michael Tulip's scout on the Illini versus the Moccasins, what he sees out of Chattanooga. Uh, and if you didn't get to take advantage of that uh, 50% off deal, it is just $1 for your first month at Illini Inquirer. So get in on the action of the VIP film room breakdowns. You just see the game in a different way. I'm, I'm telling you, like even me, I've learned as much about basketball this year with Mike uh, than I have probably over the, the previous five ten years i've been covering this beat so I, I just see the game a little bit differently and i learn something new every time mike uh comes on and, and does these film room breakdowns so check that out we're gonna have you covered throughout the ncaa tournament and wherever illinois takes us however long uh they stay in this tournament we will be there in person three deep joy wagner Derek piper myself all approved credentials and for me seven years on this beat on this uh, particularly outlet uh, 24-7 sports this will be the first NCAA tournament game I cover in person we didn't have one in 1920 
Uh, last year, only one of us was allowed to go. They only kept five local media, so Derek got to go to that one. And, of course, Illinois didn't make the tournament for the longest time. And before that, I was in radio, and I had to do radio shows in Champaign, so I wasn't able to travel, whether it was 2011 or 2013. Uh, so I am pumped. I am pumped to get to go cover an NCAA tournament game and hopefully games. I'd, I'd like to cover multiple. That'd be a lot of fun. All right, everybody, have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illinois Enquirer podcast. moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.